0: Well, thank you brother Scott. Thank you choir for sharing this morning and our praise team and thank all of you for uh, coming this morning as worshipers and joining in as we've worshiped our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I shared last week that I perhaps would be preaching about heaven. I mentioned to brother Scott, brother Scott sang that song uh, at brother George Jones's funeral. And I listen to that song every morning. Uh, I listen uh, every morning. I hear that song every morning, perhaps several times. And it has a great message in that song. And I appreciate Scott singing that this morning as I share with you about heaven. Heaven, the home of the redeemed. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14 familiar passage, and then we'll look at Luke chapter, I mean John 14, and then we'll look at Luke chapter 16, another familiar passage as we think about heaven, the home of the redeemed, heaven, the home of the redeemed. We'll look at some other passages, but you'll be able to uh, jot those down or follow along on the screen. Let's have a word of prayer before we continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to just praise you and worship you and to sing songs about heaven. And Lord, all through your word we have, even from the, the very first book of the Bible through the last book, book of Revelation, we have the promise of that place called heaven. You've always had a place for your people. And Lord, you'll always have a place where you bring your people together. And there we'll live together forever and forever and forever. So we thank you, Lord, for the promise of heaven. I pray for each person here. And I pray that no one will leave this building today unless they have the assurance that when they die, that they'll go to heaven. And so, Father, speak to our hearts. Let us focus upon you and your word. And, Lord, may we be obedient to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our hearts. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus speaking, saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. You, know, you can underline or draw a circle, parentheses around that word place. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Then Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I'm the road, I'm the Hadas, I'm the road. I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man cometh unto the Father. No man goes to heaven. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And now a familiar passage in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that as the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great guff fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from you, or thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he might testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one, would, uh, if one went unto him from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. For a number of weeks now and months, actually months, we've been studying God's word, trying to understand this biblical concept known as revival. Through this discipleship process, some of us have discovered that revival is not a long line of people waiting to confess some secret sin. Revival is not, uh, uh, not acting in some emotional, unbiblical, bizarre way. But revival is when God's people evaluate their spiritual lives and see a departure from their love and their loyalty toward their God. And through confession and repentance and humility, God's people personally and corporately cry out to God, ask God for His forgiveness for leaving their first love and for choosing to serve and to love idols of their own making. Then God hears their prayers and He forgives them. Second Chronicles seven fourteen familiar passage, simply says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That's revival. And so this morning, if you're a Christian here, this morning, as a Christian, if you've chosen to walk away from God for whatever reason, then God is calling you back to him God is calling you back to a love relationship that you had with him at one time. Now I pray that all of our relationships are what they should be. But if you're here this morning and you've not asked God to cleanse you and to fill you with his Holy Spirit, and that love relationship is not what it should be today, I pray that before you leave, it will be. Let me encourage you this morning to repent of your pride and humble yourself and ask God to forgive you and to reestablish your love relationship that you had with him at one time. Now revival is simply a time when your spiritual life and your spiritual vitality are restored to a person and to a congregation, to a church. Revival involves an increased hunger for God's word. Revival uh, involves a, a disdain for sin and a, and a renewed desire for obedience to God. Revival involves a commitment and an interest to personal prayer. We meet on Wednesday night. For the last nine weeks, ten weeks, we've been, we've been having prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Now, if you come to prayer meeting, we're going to be praying. And we'll have adult prayer time. Our adult class divides in prayer groups, and we pray for our neighbors. We pray for our family and our friends and our neighbors and any other, that peop, any other prayer requests that people have in those prayer groups. And God is working for those who are coming and praying. So let me encourage you to be here at prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Revival is when one confesses something such as, God, I, I, I'm glad that you're at the center of my life. God, I I, I want you to continue to work in my life. I'm enjoying it more and more and more and more and more. That's revival when you get to that point in your life, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so my prayer this week is that we'll experience genuine revival. Now this morning I want to share with you some thoughts about heaven. Now, I've discovered that the older I get, The more I think about heaven, can I hear amen from someone that's older? Man, you know what I'm talking about. The older I get, the older I get, the more I think about heaven. I was thinking about it this morning, and I figured if the Lord would simply tarry his coming, if the Lord waited 25 years before he comes back, I'll be 91 years old. If he waits, if he waits 25 years or less, if he waits 15 years, I'll be 81 years old. I'm planning on making 81. Ralph, you're 95. You'll soon be 96. I'm, I'm praying I'll make the 91. But that's only 25 years. 25 years. This morning, as we get serious about our relationship with God, I want you to think about where you're going to go when you die. Now, you can't think about going unless you think about dying. (laughs) I mean, it just kind of goes together. You see, death is not a popular subject. People don't like to think about death. However, it's, it's a very popular occurrence. It happens one out of every one dies. It's not a popular subject, but a popular occurrence. The point is you can't discuss heaven or hell without discussing death. The point is, it's a fact that unless Jesus returns in the near future, 25 years or less for me, I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to die. Hebrews nine 27, I'll just fulfill that scripture. It's appointed unto man, wants to die. Regardless of your status in life, don't care how wealthy you are, don't care how poor you are, infants die, children die, children die teenagers die, young adults die, senior adults die, senior, senior adults die. Ralph, Ralph was going to a lady's 100th birthday party yesterday because he said, I want to see how a 100-year-old looks. He's 96, Scott. I wasn't supposed to say that, was I, Ralph? See, the poor die, and the beggar died and, and was carried into Abraham's bosom. The rich die, the rich man died, and he was buried. So one day, fact, one day you and I are going to die. So first, it's appointed unto man once to die. Before we talk about heaven, we have to talk about death. Secondly, the Bible teaches that when a person dies, the body is buried, but the soul departs. You don't bear the soul with the body. It it leaves the body. Flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of heaven, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You've heard this at funerals, verse 51. Let's see what it means. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall... Not all die. some's going to be living when Christ comes, but those that are dead are going to be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, important word, and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for this corruption or this corruptible must put on incorruption... So I have a corruptible body. That's why it deteriorates. That's why it dies, and it has to be put out in the cemetery. It's going to be, this incorruption is going to be put on, this corruptible is going to be put on uh, the incorruptible. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, what does all that mean? Simply put, your old body is not going to heaven. Real simple. It's corrupt. It's not going to heaven. God's not sending you to a repair shop with your old body. He's not sending you to heaven. You're not going to have your knee replaced and your hip replaced and your shoulder replaced. And you're not going to have your necks replaced and you. All that's repaired. Corruption cannot enter incorruption. Here's how it works. Our body's going to be put back in the ground like a seed. Like a seed. And it's going to come up as a new body at the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look, if you will, at verse 35. It says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? Good question. And with what body do they come? Thy food, that which soweth, is not quickened except it die. So it's going to be planted out here. And guess what? A new, a new one's going to rise up. You're planted a butter bean, and you plant a butter bean, and it dies, and it decays. And guess what? A new one sprouts and comes up. Well, this old body's going to be put out here. And when the Lord comes back, you know what's going to happen? A new one's going to be raised. It's going to be like unto Jesus Christ. It's going to be like his body. It'll be identical to the old body, but it won't be the old body. It'll be like Christ, the body of Christ. The point is, death is a separation. The body is placed in the ground and decays. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust applies to the body, not to the soul. So we have an appointment. We die. Secondly, the body's buried, goes back to the earth, awaits the resurrection to come forth as a new body. And then third, the spirit, the real you, the real you, the real me, at that point of separation, the real you goes to its eternal destination. Now, the Bible teaches there's only two destinations. There's only two destinations. There's, there's either heaven... And there's, there's hell. The Bible doesn't talk about a holding place. The Bible don't talk about purgatory. Sounds pretty good, but it just, it's just not biblical. No purgatory. God don't have you hanging around somewhere until he comes back, but you, you're going to your eternal abode. We refer to it from time to time. Luke chapter 16, the poor man... The poor man, Lazarus, he died and angels carried him immediately to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died, what happened to him? In hell he lifted up his eyes. Both went to their eternal abode at the time of death. The question is, if your life ends today, where are you going to go? The Bible, which is not supplication, it's it's not a, a... A supplication, but it's divine revelation says there's only two places. So if you go by the Bible, you only have two choices where you're going to be at death. You're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. Those are the only two choices. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I just don't believe there's a hell. Well, that don't mean there's not a hell. You may not believe it, but there's a hell. The reason I know there's a hell... Because I believe in this person by the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ taught more about hell than he taught about heaven. Jesus continued to warn people, hey, there's a hell, there's a hell, there's a hell. Jesus taught more about hell than heaven. And we have historical and eyewitness proof of this person by the name of Jesus. We know by historical evidence and by witness that this person, Jesus Was born. We'd know that he was raised by earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. We'd know that he had a ministry. We'd know by eyewitness and historical proof that he was crucified on the cross for mankind's sins. We'd know historically and by eyewitness that he was buried. We'd know historically and by eyewitness that he was raised from the dead. We'd know by historically and eyewitness that he ascended into heaven. And we'd know before he left, he said he would come again. And this same Jesus said, there's a heaven and there's a hell. So hell is a real place. Real place not an imaginary place it's, it's not the grave like jehovah's witnesses teach it's, it's not the grave but revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says that it's a real place listen to what the bible says jot that verse down revelation 1 verse 8 i believe it is says i'm alpha the omega, and omega the beginning and the end saith the lord which is which was and which is to come the almighty look at verse 18 i'm sorry. And I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Jesus said there's a hell. Now, if you want to argue whether there's a hell or not, you're going to waste your time. You know why you're here on earth? You know why you've, given, you've been given time? To make ready for heaven. Don't misuse your time, that's why the Bible says to redeem it. Don't misuse it and find yourself in hell. Because Jesus said there's a hell. Use the time you have, whatever time that is. you have an appointment to make ready for heaven. Hell's a real place, not imaginary, it's not grave, but it's as real as Phil Campbell, real as Roosevelt, as real as uh, Florence, Alabama. But it's also a painful place. You see that in Luke chapter 16, verse 23. He said he was tormented in this flame. So he this person in hell could see, they could hear, they could talk, they could think, they they could remember, they had feelings, they 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 they, they he was suffering. So hell is real, hell is painful, but hell is permanent. You see that in verse 26? He asked for Lazarus to come. Verse 26, and beside all this, he says, between us and you, there's a great gut fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from you. There's no way we can get to you. There's no way you can get to heaven. Let me put it where you can understand it. There is a road that leads from earth to heaven. That's called Jesus. He said, I am the way, the rock, the Hadas, the road. There is a road that leads from earth to heaven. That road is Jesus. If you're on any other road, you're going to miss heaven. Mark it down, my friend. And there is a road from earth to hell, and that's called unbelief. The Bible is real clear in John chapter 3. Verse 18 says, he that believeth not on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the road from earth to heaven is Jesus, and the road from earth to hell is unbelief, but there is no road from hell to heaven. Once you're in hell, you're in hell. There's a great guff fix. So you can't discuss heaven or hell without death. And it's appointed. We're appointed to die. And and, uh, the real you and the real me. Leaves the body. And it goes to our eternal destination. The real you at death. Goes to hell. Real place. A painful place. A permanent place. Or the real you goes to heaven. Now. You can't talk about heaven until we talk about hell. If you remember John fourteen two and 3, Jesus says, And I go to prepare a place for you. That word place, Jesus called heaven a place, tapas. is the, is the Greek word tapas. It, it, it simply means, uh, uh, in my, it, it refers to a place. Tapas is place in the Greek. But he goes on to say, In my Father's house are many mansions, oikos. Oikos is mansions, dwelling place, houses. You get the picture? It's a place. A house, a dwelling home, a mansion. Some say, well, heaven, brother, same as a state of mind. It's a dream. It's an abstract. It's an ideal. It's wishful thinking. It's, It's a figure of speech. The point is, the Bible testifies that heaven is as real as the home you live in and the place you dwell at, Phil Campbell, Alabama. Heaven is is real, real. After his resurrection, you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, He's standing there, the disciples are standing there, and they're gazing up into heaven. And he said to them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Why stand you gazing up into an imaginary space? He didn't say that. He didn't say, Why stand, why, st- why? gaze you up into a figure of your imagination? He didn't say that. He said, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you in, uh, into heaven shall come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus died, and he went to heaven. He didn't go to a state of mind. He didn't go to an abstraction. He went to a real place, and that place is called heaven. So heaven is a real place. There's no sin in heaven. Only the redeemed are going to be in heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. I like this. There's no tears. There's no pain. There's no funerals. There's no hospital. There's no cancer treatment. There's no prison. There's no uh, 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 armies. There's no sickness. There's no cripple. There's no cerebral palsy. There's there's no blindness. There's none of that in heaven. There's no sanctuary in heaven. There's no tabernacle in heaven. The Bible says we don't need a building to remind us to worship. We're going to be worshiping from the time we get there, and we're never going to leave, so we're going to be worshiping forever. I want to go to heaven because of the people I'm going to see in heaven. The saints of ode, I'm going to see Moses, and I'm going to see Abraham, and I'm going to see Job, and in the Old Testament and others and I'm in the New Testament I'm going to see Matthew and Mark and I'm going to see Paul and I'm going to see others in the New Testament and we're going to see our loved ones and we're going Judah and I are going to see our baby that was still born the day the baby was due to be born and we're going to see I'm going to see my dad and I'm going to see other relatives that's going on to be with the Lord and I'm going to see previous church brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm going to see all of those but I'm going to see Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Revelation 22, 4, They shall see his face. We're going to see Jesus. I want to go to heaven. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. Those who go on, the saints of old, will see them. Our friends, our family will see Jesus. I'm going to tell you what. Heaven won't be the same without you being it. I hope to see you. It's the home of the redeemed. And one day, unless Jesus' tears is coming, maybe 25 years or less, I'll say, I'm going to heaven. Your body's going to be planted as a seed is to the earth. It's going to return back to the dust. So it's going to leave the body. It's going to go to its eternal destination. And when the Lord comes back, a new seed, new body will appear. And we'll be raptured up to meet Jesus Christ. And we'll be reunited with that body. And we'll be with him forever and forever and forever. There's heaven. There's hell. And here's the question. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Here's how. You simply say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that you came and you died on the cross for my sins and you are my substitute. And Lord, you tell me that if I confess my sins and ask you to forgive me and turn from my sins, ask you to come into my life and receive you as my Lord and Savior, confess you as my Lord, confess you as my Lord and Savior, that you'll save me. You tell me in your word that whoever calls on your name, Lord, shall be saved. Lord, today I humble my heart and I trust in you and only you for my eternal salvation, and I wait on you. Either, as a song said a few minutes ago, till He comes again, or till He calls me away. What'd you say, Terry? I'm willing. I'm I'm willing to die. (laughs) I'm willing to be called away, or I'm willing to die. Because I'm going to tell you what, what we're going to is a lot better place than what we have here. And the only road to heaven is Jesus. Your good works, friend, you're just not good enough. I hate to tell you, you're not good enough. You're going to be judged by your works. You are. You say, well, I'm going on, I'm on to try to be good enough. Well, good luck. Let me just save you a lot of trouble. You ain't going to make it. For the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not going to make it on being good, being moral. You're going to make it by trusting Jesus Christ, confessing Him as Lord of your life, accepting what He did on the cross for you, accepting His blood for the atonement of your sins. One day, we're going to leave us a word. My dad preached his last sermon. One week later, he was fine. Went to church, preached his last sermon. You know what he preached on? I've got some copies of it in there. He preached on death. And the next Sunday, he was in glory. Now, if God chooses that from me, so be it. This is my last sermon talking about death and talking about heaven, talking about hell. I don't know a better sermon than I in this old world. But I'm telling you, if you don't trust Jesus Christ, you're going to die and you're going to miss heaven. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together and worship you, sing songs about heaven. And, Lord, we can sing about them, but the most joy that will come to a person's life is knowing that they'll go there one day. Father, I lift up each person here this morning.